Well, hello everyone and welcome to our dinner table. Of course, at the dinner table tonight, me, the host, Aislinn Campbell, and my lovely fiance, Joe Hilliard. My amazing and handsome fiance, Joe Hilliard. Oh, I must be wanting something, right? What, what do you want? I want you to continue cooking me delicious food and building gates and chicken runs and digging big holes and moving things around that are heavy. I need your support, your masculinity and your support. I remember in wherever, junior high, where you learn ego, id, superego, those kinds of terms for the first time. Uh I said at the time, these are the terms that I need to memorize the definitions for in order to make an A in this class. Sure. But you, however, introduced me to the concept of ego as a what? For me, ego is different than being full of yourself or proud of yourself. It's a separate version of yourself. It's your conscious rather than your subconscious. It's the part of you that you put out to the world that is not exactly who you are. It's who you want everyone to believe that you are. Yeah. And through our own history, we have had arguments, disagreements in the past. And when you're looking back on that argument and you're dissecting it in the calm space, mm-hmm. that ego, my ego and your ego mm-hmm. are contributors to the small amount of unrest that we see in our relationship. That everybody see, everyone has a small amount of unrest in their relationship, but ours is caused mostly by that ego. Yeah. So you've learned, I think wisely, that giving me a compliment every once in a while, even if it's complete bullshit, just... <laughs> tames the beast no it's who i am i'm i do gratitude different than like oh i gave them a i sent them some flowers or i sent them a thank you note or i give gratitude in the moment i'm very grateful for this 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 Mm -hmm. so it's not even it's not like a buttering up type of thing i'm just going to say thank you my daughter and i walked out the door the other day And um, our little uh, stray cat that's been coming around that I actually would like to catch and get her spayed and then bring her back. Let her be our outdoor cat. Because we live in a suburban area that has rodents around. Mm -hmm. And when we have a colony of cats around our house, we don't have as big of problems with rats, mice, possums, all of that kind of stuff. They are our watchers. Yeah. Um, they keep the snakes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they cats on the outside have a very great value. A robust circular ecosystem around our home? Absolutely. And I have said for many times, we can't have a cat in the house. We don't want an animal in our house because we all have like this aller- allergic I'm, reaction I'm to like... I'm very allergic to cats. Yeah. I and, walk into your house and you've got cats and they have been outside for a month and you've vacuumed every square inch of every single surface because you're expecting guests i'm gonna know if you have cats the moment i walk in right (laughs) isn't that lovely i make that noise yeah um and that's the the cat detector (laughs) that's weird but because of that we have learned that if there's a certain cat that seems to be kind of hanging around the house that if we feed them then it'll be easier to catch them and then we can catch them and then we can take them and get them spayed and so we're and to we that flirted point. with the idea forever you we're ready to go right this is a project that we may even try to get going asap right away Just- the point was we walk out the front door And this cat has now begun coming to the front door to get fed. And I said, oh, I haven't fed her yet this morning. And Lily goes, no worries. I fed her already. And my immediate response was, oh, good job. Thank you for doing that. If I want you to do more, if I want you to know that that's the type of behavior I like, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to say, good job. 
And thank you for doing that. So immediately, and that's how I handle the gratitude part of it. And going back, circling right back around to, I say thank you. And if you haven't noticed it, then you have not been paying attention. I express gratitude. I tell you what I like and what I don't like. I'm just saying that the compliments ratcheted up. You will drop what you're looking for with all these compliments in, in the near future. I have no fear. Mm-hmm. Asa and I'm reminded that the conceit of this podcast is that your valuable time around the dinner table is so special that there should be and probably are stories about those meals. And I wanted to talk about a meal that we had this week that has this labyrinthine story. It began, right. with, it began with a text from you. Yes. I go out to my family's farm to help a couple of mornings a week. You know that my family are hunters and we have zero problem eating wild game. We enjoy wild game. So my dad comes out and he says, hey, I've got a hog leg for you. You needed to take it home today and you needed to defrost it and cook it right away. And so then later on when I go to leave, I said, oh yeah, hey, can I get that pork? And he's like, yeah, come on back and get a hog leg. Oh, by the way, it's not a hog leg. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, well, a hog leg is like a pistol. Well, I never thought about that. And then I, and then I responded back to him. I just thought maybe you were about to give me a giant blunt, you know, a hog leg. That's what you said to him? Yes. How fun. <laughs> and he just kind of snickered a little bit and then handed me this big literal hog leg. How amazed would you have been had he? <laughs> do, you no. want, do you want a hog leg? Sure. Text me, Joe, I'm bringing home some pork for you to cook. Right. <laughs> he takes you back to the garage and like a toilet paper <laughs> tube sized joint that your dad pulls out of wherever he keeps those. Then I started thinking the other day about, like, what is the definition of hog leg? And I actually went and looked it up, kind of an unanswered question situation. I was like, well, if you put in the word hog leg, what does that mean uh -huh. to different people? Pistol, it's, you know, like, there's a, a bunch of different things that is, a is, hog leg is, means to people. Is a blunt one of them? Yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> no. Neither do I. I mean, I've been told. So I've heard. But you did. You texted me and you said, hey, I've got the story you just told me. I got a big old piece of pork coming and it needs to be cooked soon. And then you said, I got it home. What do I do? I said, if it needs to be defrosted, put it out in the garage fridge on a tray. Yeah. Get a garage fridge. I mean, the people that emulate us, uh, I would suggest <laughs> that, you know, if there's any part of our lifestyle that you're enjoying, I will tell you that a garage fridge with a freezer, mm -hmm. like a, a, you know, a cheap one, go onto your marketplace on your favorite social media you wanna site. You want to know something right now? Go ahead. You can't buy freezers right now. I know. You're going to have to get it used, but used is fine because this is not a glamour refrigerator. This is just where your broth goes in the freezer the meat from the farmer's market when i buy bulk goes into that freezer my beer collection is in that refrigerator i need a big bunch of refrigerator space to thaw out a huge pork leg no problem yeah you go to the garage fridge do you know why you can't buy a freezer right now i think i do because everyone's into some of these notions that we discuss every week on this show and one of those is storing food for the future yeah, for the next time, there's something that keeps us from being able to get easy access to food. I know exactly where you heard all of that. You should talk about that for one second. I have listened to a few of Joe Rogan's podcasts. A lot of people really like Joe Rogan's podcast. He's the number one guy right now. And and Just he's... Just got his own Spotify exclusive deal for who knows how much money. That's fantastic news. But he, his audience is generally males and um, 
fairly conservative males. However, he's pretty much a libertarian. Mm -hmm. And um, he brought on one of my favorite people to listen to. We got to meet him after Hurricane Harvey. We did. Yeah, I was. that was such a cool moment. So this person is like one of my big celebrities, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Joel Salatin. And they did it during the pandemic. So I think it was like May, May 31st yeah. or something like that. Mid to late May. Yeah. And so you get to hear Joel Salatin and Joe Rogan discuss local food and access to food and agriculture and, and what coronavirus has revealed about our food system what what are we learning from it and what can we do to change it and i've been taking this with me everywhere i go now that if you caress mother nature she is a benevolent giver rather than if you fight with mother nature she gonna win oh yeah She's going to knock you back. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening. And that's generally what's happening all over the place. It's what the pandemic, it's what's happening. That I just loved it. I thought it was amazing. So if you care anything about health, food, libertarian concepts. Interesting dialogue. It, yeah, interesting dialogue. Knowing about how to grow chickens in your backyard. There was another story that they told that I have been telling everyone that I just, I, I, I adore. And that is that... There's a, there was a country that did like almost a census mail out type of situation where they asked people if they wanted three chickens. Yeah, I think it was New Zealand. Okay. So they asked everybody in the country, do you want three chickens? Anyone that wants them can get them. And their goal was not three chickens so that you can get eggs. Their goal was three chickens so that you can help us decrease the amount of waste that we're putting into our landfill. Because when you put waste into a landfill, you create a ton of methane gas. Methane gas is a problem. If I put three chickens in my backyard, then I feed them all of the food that goes in my garbage can that goes to the landfill. We've talked about this many times. Yes, How, how we do it here. Yeah, absolutely. But, but in addition to that, they said that in America, if you did that, you would kill the egg industry. There would be no egg industry anymore because even if the two neighbors on both sides of us didn't get chickens, there would be enough eggs for both of the neighbors on both sides of us. Right. We would decrease mass in our landfills, which costs us as taxpayers money. Mm -hmm. We would decrease that that waste is methane producing, mm -hmm. which is probably the number one greenhouse gas that's being emitted is from our local landfills and the system that we've designed and created for garbage in America. Yep. We'll post that on our Facebook page. So I've got a cook this massive leg of pork or cut it in half. I don't have the correct tools, bone saw. And we own two roasting pans, a big Califalon one, which is the yeah. one that I use. Yeah. And then a smaller one for- Well, a, I knew the one you used would be the one you would have to use for it's the It's the biggest one it. we had. Yeah. And the legs stuck out the top of it. I couldn't put the lid on, so I had to makeshift foil so that I'm keeping the moisture inside without a lid. Don't we have a, a big electric roaster? If we do, it's, I don't know where it is. Oh, okay. And I've cooked pork. I've cooked pork roast. I've got a pork roast in my garage freezer right now that I will cook to massive success for all of the episodes that we've discussed. Pulled pork and, and every way that I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I've cooked pork bone in. Mm -hmm. But I go to the internet, find that majority of the recipes for roasting pork inside your home, this would be a perfect piece to have done on the smoker. But it was a Tuesday night, not a Saturday day. And you don't cook on the smoker. Yeah, I'm going to commit to doing a little <laughs> I'm bit. I'm like, let's be real about yeah, this. Yeah, I need to put it in my arsenal. The problem I don't with think I've ever seen you smoke anything. The problem with... That's why I don't know anything about your dad's blunts. The problem <laughs> with your smoker is that it is an all-day affair. And for those who enjoy doing that, 
I totally understand it. Our neighbor does it. Uh-huh. The, the wafting of his different species of cooking woods comes into our backyard. And uh-huh. I'll always poke my head over there and say, save some for me. And he, he will if I'm serious about it. That uh, 2 a.m. all of a sudden the music comes on real loud. <laughs> Well, and, they're, I, they're, and I and I and I stumble out because they're my friends now. They're I mean, enjoying the fruits of their labor well into the wee hours of the morning. No, what they've done is they got up at like midnight and put a something to smoke on because they have a plan for some party or something the next day and they need the meat and they have to start it at midnight. Oh, so that's now an they're all up. night smoking party. Yeah, and oh, so now I they're they having a party. No, so now they're up. They're up at two a.m. and they don't even realize or haven't really thought out the fact that like everyone around is asleep and they flip on the music and I go out there and go, hey, and they go, oh my god, we didn't realize what time it is. We're so sorry. And I'm like. Hey, it's all good, friend. But yeah, my bedroom's right there. And they're like, oh, okay, no problem. Sorry about that. Super sorry. You know, but yeah, that's what they're doing. They're smoking some meat. Well, if you're going to do it in the oven, you're still going to do it slow and low. But 15 minutes a pound that is, is what the tempo. I had. It is supposed to be the tempo. If I put <laughs> that on at 5 p.m., dinner will be ready at 7.30, 7.45. I knew it. I knew. Seventh, I was like, what is he thinking? I'm thinking that people on the internet know what they're talking about. Seven o'clock comes. Did I th- you put in wild hog? Did you put in... I don't think that wild hog would cause a difference. It's leaner. It's much leaner. Well, that might have been what it was because seven rolls around and I'm like, this may need to go till eight. Eight rolls around. Can you come look at this? Because I've cooked pork. You pull you pull it out at 8 o'clock and you go to cut it out. It's ready. Cut it up. And it's like bleeding. Said, and I'm I, like, oh. I, it wasn't bleeding. It was rare in the middle. It would be a pork rare. And with wild meat, I wouldn't have had a problem with that for any other thing. But we're looking for fall off the bone tender. Well, no, no, no. I'm not eating any rare pork. No, of course pork. not. That wasn't That's our, disgusting. That wasn't our goal for this cut of meat. We wanted to fall off the bone. So I'm like, well, shit. I guess it's going to be 9 o'clock in the meantime. I had made a squash cheesy casserole trying to use all those local ingredients of squash it was good so and you had, you made your sauce i did what's it called chalamet machache i made a timothy chalamet <laughs> a bechamel sauce bechamel dude i am a expert and next week we'll, we'll get back into our sauces don't worry but then you're like i'm starving <laughs> Yeah, because I I intermittent fast for the most part. Right. So it's like even if I decided that it was that day was the day that my body needed me to eat at noon. Most days I haven't eaten, and it's four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I felt and, your pain. I and was now I'm like, too. I can't go. I've started... It's nine o'clock, and I've had nothing to eat. I have drank a beer and drank a vodka drink, and I'm about to like pass out on the floor if I don't put some food inside me. So it was vegetarian diet at the house. It was a meatless Monday with some pork. <laughs> In the oven that won't finish. I was up till 1 a.m. with that pork. And when it came out, I was like... You might as well have been smoking it in the backyard. Oh, I wanted one of your dad's blunts so bad. <laughs> so the next night, you're like, well, hey, look, that's fine. At least we've got some pork to eat tonight. There's no cooking. I was like, no, this pork ain't right. It wasn't tender. It might have been the lean thing. I think we've got a UQ for next week. And I said, the only thing I'm going to want to do with this is stew it into something else. And so I got home at 5. With the understanding that I want to eat at seven, diced up all that meat and yeah. all of the drippings that had come from the pan, the marinade that I had made for it, we put it all in. I said, okay, let's get this heated up. And then we had, I thought, one of the most fun dinner kind of things that we've had in a while here at the house. Mm-hmm. Let's make some tacos. Everyone will like that. What should we 
do with what we have to make this exceptional? Uh, we'll definitely get out some of the beautiful bell peppers that we have. Mm -hmm. Some of them that I've grown and some of them we've purchased at the farmer's market. And then we need to put in a good onion. And I looked over and you didn't really have any nice size onions. And you were like, I'll make do with what I have. And I was like, nope, nope. Hold on. I have the magical onion. It's the one that's left in the garden. It's the one for this moment. Literally. I go out to the yard. I pull my last onion out of the out of the garden. That was your last one? Yep. That's, there might be a few other little bitty ones Did in there that I may Did you not plant enough onions? No, I didn't. And, and when, I, when I got the onions to plant... I don't mean that plant, as a criticism. No, no, no. When I got the onions to plant, I was still kind of coming up out of that really bad feeling that I had last summer. Mm -hmm. And was just getting my energy back. And so it just took a lot of energy out of me to just get around the garden and poke those onions in. And I only had half the garden space that I have now. Now I have twice as much, probably three times as much garden space as I had before. Right. So I'll plant a lot more onions next year. Plus, we'll plant some onions out I of the I think we farm. used every onion that came out of your garden. Absolutely. No waste. And they were beautiful. They, they were, were so great. sweet and good. And my dad actually had said, you know, I like this meat cooked in the... He, he said like in an Arabic style. But what he's meaning... I think what he's meaning is kind of more of a, like an exotic flavoring, sure. like, you know, some of the, and that was your criteria, you know, and I kept saying like Jamaican, like you know, a, like sweet like and jerk, spicy and jerk, and jerk. jerk. Yeah. So we had some jerk mix that from some other thing was liberal with that. Mm -hmm. Those onions, those bell peppers, the jerk spice, a little bit of broth to mm -hmm. put some juice in there to cook it in. And then we tasted it. We tasted it every 20 minutes, every 30 minutes. What can we do? What can we add? A little more salt. That's how I love to cook with you. Like an improvisational jazz set. It's art. It's tortillas. Yeah. The meat with those onions and peppers and mm -hmm. now this delicious sauce. You mm -hmm. Use the slotted spoon. You don't want a bunch of slop in your taco. Some fresh lettuce. Yeah, you got to have the sweet and the spicy. Go ahead and get the habanero sauce out because you need the spice. And I was like, we need something sweet. We need a jam, something. Lemon marmalade. My mom actually made. Oh, did she? Right. Yeah. She made it last year when she was taking all of the different citrus from the trees on the farm and turning them into different types of marmalades and stuff like that. And then our homemade ball burning habanero <laughs> pepper sauce. I love that. We're going we're gonna to package it and sell it someday in HEB. It's going to be called the homemade ball burning habanero sauce. And it... Here it comes, H-E-B. Are you ready for it? And those tacos were incredible. They were. They got better every day and we ate them three more times. Three <laughs> nights in a row. That's how much leg was left. <laughs> yeah, because by the second night, you had just gone to the farmer's, That's mar right. farmer's market and you had brought home some smoked ancho chev. Mm-hmm. Which, that's just delicious anyways, no so matter how you look at it. duplicate last night's tacos, but now with a chev cheese that has ancho pepper in it. Don't forget, we threw in some spinach. We just like... <laughs> oh, you said, put this spinach when yeah, you reheat this tonight. Was like, the spinach yeah. just like needs to get cooked, so yeah. stick it in there. That's right. And if you think about it, what we're saying is we took a piece of meat that we kind of ruined, and then we worked on it until we finally got it to something that we loved. Well, what we learned was two things. Number one, what we said a billion times in every episode, and that is you just can't ruin a taco. <laughs> like you can turn any piece of meat into some kind of delicious taco. Uh, the other thing is that you have to know what flavor profiles go with different types of meat. And one of the things actually my best friend Jessica has taught me, because Jessica and Chris, Chris is a huge hunter, and they're pretty much only eating wild game in their house. They're right. only eating deer, they're venison, they're only eating wild pork. And so she has taught me, all of a sudden, I've got a group of friends on my back porch, and everyone's a little hungry. So she goes in the house, and she heats up whatever chunk of meat they have, puts it in tortillas, 
and then walked back out the door and set some hot sauce and some sweet sauce down on the table. And that's, it's just a little creative thing that you can feed, you know, everybody with. In the reduce, reuse, recycle concept, do the same thing with your food, you know, do the same thing with your food waste, use it in your gardens, give it to your chickens if you have them. If you've got uh, delicious leftovers, make sure that that food gets turned into something two or three times before you throw it out. It's the same thing. It's low consumption as much as you can. And that's how we like to be. And so, and if you think about the fact that there was a big chunk of meat that my family had that fed us three, four meals that saved us a bunch of money, which yeah, gives us yeah. the ability to buy, pay, it, pay, buy more hats, right? <laughs> gives us the ability to, to, to pay a higher price for some of the farmer's market meats and some of that good stuff that we're buying from our local farmers. The value of what they're selling is really important. We're willing to pay the price, but then you got to kind of balance it out in other ways. And this was, this is a great way to balance it out using a big chunk of wild meat and using your leftovers over and over again. Well, the way that we eat is available to local listeners through Dagon Produce. What's better at the dinner table than a delicious chef's basket of vegetables and locally grown meats and foods? We're yes. giving away one today. What we asked was that you send us some photos of the delicious meals you're making using some local sourced goodies. Did we get a series of photos that I can't wait for us to post on our social media? It was very nice. Our winner this go-round, this month, we'll do it again next month, is Cha Math. Matthews, who happens to be a friend of ours, a local brewer at one of our local brewery pizza places that we like. And check out these pictures he sent in to us. Looks like there's some fairly local wine. Charcuterie. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, they're eating good. And just for doing so, and just for taking a photo of it, and just for sending it to us, you get a chef's basket delivered straight to your door. Never fear. If you didn't win and you live in our area, you can always go to DagonProduce.com and use the code DINNERTABLE10 and get a fat discount off of any basket that you want. Yay! Eat local. We do. Mm-hmm. We'll give away some table topics later in the show. Oh, my God. So there's been a lot of things happening in our household that we have tiptoed around and have tried to figure out what's the best way to learn how to handle them and then even to talk about them for that matter. Because at this dinner table currently, everyone knows that we have teenagers and we've talked about the idea that we created the dinner table concept back when we first got together because we thought it was a good place for us all to come together and have conversations that we're going to talk about the things that happen at the dinner table, but we also have to have a high level of trust and understand that every conversation we have is not appropriate for the public. But there's an interesting conversation that has come up that we can't really bypass anymore. And that is the idea that it's very different to raise teenage daughters than it is to raise teenage sons. Our two boys are very close in age and our two girls are very close in age. When we blended our families together, the guys had two guys that could hang out and the girls had two girls that could hang out. Mm -hmm. Your son left. It shifts, it changes everything about the house that we knew before. Mm -hmm. Not just one less mouth to feed or anything like that, but just the... The interpersonal dynamics. Exactly. And then as they grow older, each year that goes by, that shifts the interpersonal dynamics of the household as, as they well. mature and have a whole different set of things to consider. Right. My son leaves for college. Mm -hmm. Now we've got two girls in the house. Savannah and Lillian had been getting closer, spending more time together. Yeah. The coronavirus meant everybody was kind of on lockdown. 
Lily had, which we'll talk about a little bit more, had gotten into some trouble over the the last few months, and she had less access to her phone, which yeah. gives her less access to social media and all of those types of things. And whenever I was thinking about Savannah and Hunter leaving and leaving Lillian here by herself, I thought, oh, dear, she's about to ask me all the things I'm going to have to say no to because she's going to not want to be here at the house. She's going to be bored. Right. She's going to be trying to run all over the countryside with everyone she shouldn't be hanging out with. And luckily... Or not luckily, however you look at it, she got in trouble again. She got busted, which means now I've got her in a deeper lockdown again. No access to phones, no access to going out and spending the night or hanging out with friends or anything like that because she made untrustworthy choices. Mm -hmm. But that changed another dynamic in our household that I have always felt. And the dynamic in the household is that I live with the notion that there is a protective bubble around my life and my family, and it might be my own naive whatever, but I don't spend my time worrying that someone's going to hurt me. I don't spend my time worrying that someone's going to steal shit off my porch. I don't spend my time worrying that someone's going to break into my house. I do little things like I felt like, and this has been about seven or eight months ago, so prior to me kind of understanding that there was some things that we needed to deal with in terms of teen parenting girls, but I had noticed it looked like someone was stepping up to the girls' windows, mm -hmm. and I can think of two things. It's either someone is going to the window and knocking on the window, and then they're, that the girls are coming outside, or one of the girls or both of the girls are coming outside, which hopefully that's not what it is. That's what it was. <laughs> or someone's a peeper mm -hmm. coming to my girls' windows, and so I had gone and planted things in that bed there with thorns and you know what so that's like my way of handling it sure you know i'm not sitting there going i need cameras all over the place to tell me what every little thing is happening around my house well after the last thing that we've dealt with with teenage daughters we have decided to put up cameras around our house. You've seen this. We're late to the party. These are the cameras, the doorbell camera, other cameras that when you see people stealing things off of porches mm -hmm. and they post that to social media, mm -hmm. we're going to have all of that kind of capability. The app on your phone that tells you that the front door was opened at 9.53 a.m., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. A motion detector on your camera went off at two o'clock in the morning, then you can go back and look at the two o'clock in the morning. Oh, check it out. The backyard camera. I hope that we're going to see a bunch of amazing nighttime wildlife and nothing more. That's exactly what we hope. I'm not bringing up something that everyone doesn't know exists in the world of teenagers. The idea that not all teenagers, but most teenagers have done a sure. sneak out oh, yeah, I did. at some point. And because of that, we parents, my pa I snuck out, of course, you know, my parents put a board on my window, you know. <laughs> but back then, we didn't have cell phones and social media. And one of the things I was telling somebody the other day is, is that we opened the lines of communication, we gave the trust, the trust was there, the boys had the trust, the boys did things. I know that boys did things. The boys did thing because we know boys, right? Yeah, the boys did things. They did things. They just didn't bring it home. Well, the little things that I noticed, and I didn't dig any deeper, they didn't lie to us right. outright. Like, I'm going to ask you something. I need you to tell me the truth. If I ask them and it's clear that I kind of know already what's going on, they fessed up immediately. There were no extra stories. Really, no. They told the truth, which is what I had always asked for. 
the lines of trust were completely open. And there's certainly a naivety here. I mean, if I've created in my mind the idea that there's this bubble of protection around me, you know, and then my daughter breaks open the bubble and steps out of it, you know, I can't. Your bubble sucks. <laughs> like, I'm going to create my, my own bubble over here. The, but how do you feel? Let me make it about you now. I know that in the previous seven years that had I ever suggested, you know, what we need is an alarm system that that idea would have been completely blown out of the water. That's like negative manifestation. Yes. I had to, I've mentioned this before. I had to leave a group because there was at one point you would just hear all the negative things. Somebody stole something. Well, yeah. We've had people walk off with things from our house. You, you chased a guy down with our weed eater. <laughs> no, the story's actually better than that. <laughs> I happened to be home for lunch. The across the street neighbor called me. Are you home? Yes. Someone just took your weed eater and your bicycle. <laughs> and I was in the backyard. So I run to the front and I look left and right. And she comes outside. She, he went that way. He went that way. I jump in the car. I mean, he just left. <laughs> And I'm in a car. He's I'm on, laughing because I know the story. He's on a bike. <laughs> I'm going to catch up with him. I go to the first intersection. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go straight? <gasps> okay, I was take a right, make a whole block, make a whole other block. And I'll find this guy. I do see a young man walking. Uh-huh. That's not him. Where's my bike? Where's my weed eater? I call the neighbor. What was he wearing? Now I'm driving. Uh-huh. I've driven past this kid. That kid's clothes. Oh, that's the guy. That's the guy. I turn around real quick and he's gone. Uh -huh. Now, where was he walking from? There's alleys between our, uh -huh. the backs of our homes and the backs of the homes behind us. Uh -huh. I parked the car. I walked down the alley. There's my stuff. Kid had a flat tires on both <laughs> That's because nobody rides the, the bikes bike. at our house. <laughs> so he was like, oh, I'm going to, I found a weed eater that I can get $25 for at the pawn shop and a bike that I can get away on. And I can imagine him getting on these two flat tires and going, oh, crap. <laughs> so he dumped it. I got my stuff back. Yeah. That's and, the extent of the negative theft, crime stuff that we've had in our right. home. Well, Thank and, goodness. And as it relates to the learning garden, the same kind of concepts. People didn't steal stuff from us out there. Right. It may sound weird to some people, but there's a good neighborhood vibe going on here. Mm -hmm. And our neighbors are here to protect us. We've got neighbors across the street that are going to call you and go, hey, somebody just stole something off you, whatever. And vice versa. But at the same time, I also don't. And then there was other stories about this person's walking around the neighborhood in a black coat in you know and i'm like it's freaking january they can walk around in their neighborhood in a black coat but when you look for bad you just find bad agreed and the other idea is is that the way our house is set up there's some things that could potentially scare me and we fixed them there were some things that mm -hmm. needed to be fixed so mm -hmm. it but the last thing i need the to alligator think of, moat Right, exactly. We needed the alligator mode to keep the people from coming in on our property. And we can throw if our we could pork just leftovers keep right into the in moat. our property yeah. without, you know, the, she's learned the magic toadstool hop to get out yeah, the of the bubble. <laughs> the and magic toadstool hop is that Joe and Aislinn want to sleep or don't wake up for anything. That's, that's the magic toadstool hop. <laughs> she just walks out the so door. All I gotta do is wait for them to go to bed. Now, I am a nighttime roamer <laughs> sometimes, so I've, I have actually been curious. Have I thwarted her plans because I was up at 1am unexpectedly? I'm sure you have. But I'll finally go to bed and then, and we did yeah. We did it too. We did it too. I know, but I don't like it. Oh, no, I don't like it Bad either. Bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And it, and I feel like it's exponentially scarier right now. I mean, I've talked to her about human trafficking. Human trafficking is such a big deal in our area. Mm -hmm. The goal of this conversation publicly is not to shame or hurt. These are the kinds of conversations you've got to be having at your dinner table, right. all of them. Yep. The good, the bad, 
everything you can to protect the trust of anyone. But at the same time, you can't ignore, just like last week, you can't ignore big conversations that need to be had at your table. And we have a new toy to play with. I can look at the backyard on my phone anytime I want to. Well, I was thinking that because if I sit out in the house when the sun's going down and watch the high wires, I'm going to see rats and mice and possums and, and squirrel. Yeah, I mean, just super highway. backyard TV yeah. at the sunset hour. Here, brainstorm with me a little bit. When we get done with all the five mother sauces, and like I said, we'll discuss another one next week. I want to take all of the mother sauce portions of the episodes that they appear in and create a mother sauce bonus episode Ooh, does and that mean we're making a patreon account we should totally do something like that let's do it whenever you uh chip in a couple of bucks a month you get access to these bonus episodes yeah we're brainstorming right yeah now. yeah yeah what about joe's kitchen fails oh that's a good one like we pull out the fails uh-huh because i'd love to sit here and tell you what an awesome cook i am and accept all of your wonderful compliments but every once in a while if you listen it's a failure a big failure. Listen, you know how I feel about gardening, right? If you're not failing, you're not a gardener. If you're not failing in the kitchen, then you're not a chef. You don't want to fail for the 20-person dinner party that you're hosting. That would be a bad fail. No, fail at that thing first before you serve it to the 20 people. When you're a creator and you're a creative and you're creating things, and I believe that food and gardens and cooking and all of that is a part of that, you have to be willing to fail. Well, we said we'd give away some table topics. Which category do you want? I think I'm in charge of pulling the card this week. I think that I've been enjoying these bachelorette party love and happiness ones. Okay. Let's do what's working. Now, all you have to do to win a table topics to go is email us, IM us, Facebook message us, get a hold of us, mm-hmm. answer the question. Slip into our DMs with your answer. Ah, this is good. Okay. Okay. How do we want our marriage to be different from our parents? When we first started dating... I was binging Breaking Bad and I made some kind of offhand comment because we did not live together. I said, what will we do when we cohabitate and I want to go watch Breaking Bad? Do you remember this conversation? Uh-huh. What was your answer? Well, I feel I would feel real sad if you went over there and watched something without me. And I, I thought to myself, wait a second, what am I getting into? Am I losing all independence? Because that's the because thing that's with your the, parents. Because Aislinn's saying, I would feel bad if you wanted to go binge watch your own TV show by yourself. Fast forward seven years, we have no problem doing that. <laughs> right. That, <laughs> I don't know where that came from because that matches me none at all, by the way. Well, because you were super in love with me and now we're not as in love as we used to be. But That's not true. Don't say those my types of things. My parents, let me tell you my parents' average day. I work now with my mom, but I worked for the last 17 years with both of my parents for a family business that they've had for a thousand years. Fencing Incorporated. If you need a fence, give them a call. They would get up in the morning, eat breakfast together, drive together to the office, drive home or to a restaurant for lunch, drive back to the office. My dad might leave to go check the post office, come back. They'd go home together. If she needed to go shopping at Dillard's, he got to sit in the car or putter behind her while she shopped. Yep. And... I said to myself, that's not the kind of relationship that I want. Right. I do make you drive. The I mean, I, I drive, but I make you drive. You make me drive and complain the whole time. I but, do, because you're a terrible driver, but whatever. Okay. So you I don't know and why I make you drive. You and I's relationship and the independence that I believe we've even evolved into. 
Yes. Past what was probably an unrealistic notion about the Breaking Bad and into what I am very, 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 very pleased with. That is an aspect of my parents' relationship that I am glad that you and I have decided not to duplicate this constant codependence. Which makes it very challenging when at some point in your life and one of you, one of us will pass away. It would be likely that one pre-deceases the other. That will happen. Someone will well, pre-decease the other. A, unless we die in a plane crash. Let's stop with the manifestation of plane crashes. And if we do die in a plane crash, let's do it on the way back from the vacation. <laughs> not on the way to the vacation. What's that song you used to make me listen to? That stupid Smith song? I'm gonna die in a car. And if a double-decker bus crashes into us. And if a double-decker bus crashes into us. To die by your side to would die be a heavenly way to side. die. You're a horrible Morrissey impersonator. You answer the question now. Okay. My parents just celebrated their 45th wedding anniversary. That is a big achievement. It is a huge achievement, especially because they're young for being married 45 years. How old were they when they got married? I think my mom was 18 when they got married. Okay. And my dad's two years older than my mom. Okay. So there you go. Give or take. But if you think about that, first of all, it's challenging for people to stay married. It's extra challenging for people that got married young to stay married. My parents have loved each other unconditionally, but I've grown up with them. So I know that it hasn't been all perfection. Your parents do the fake fight. There's, well, that's the thing. That's that is their the, stick. That is the thing I would say that I would like to do differently. I didn't know what you were going to say. That's where you were going? Absolutely. Okay. So when we're at a fish fry or we're at Christmas or- Two people that I know love each other enough to stay married 45 years. I are think it's shtick. I think they're putting on a show. <laughs> do you think they do that alone? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they do alone anymore because I'm not there. You're not, you're not there when they're alone? No, oh, okay. I'm not there when they're alone. That's no, I mean, uh, even when they were, even when there was no one around, I mean, I guess we were always around, but mm. yeah, they were just, they just kind of like grumble. I think it's they just grumble their at each other all the time. I think it's their shtick. And I know other couples that do the same shtick. There's an old school joke that my grandmother, that, that apparently they used to argue about whether the, the Izod was a crocodile or an alligator. Okay. And that was like... That would become these huge heated conversations? That was... This was back when I was like a little kid that my grandmother would say, that's how your parents like bicker with each other. They're going to argue over whether that's a crocodile or an alligator. Is on it the a crocodile or an alligator? Unanswered questions, I no, guess? No, no. What know. do you think it is? I know what it is. I have no idea what it is and I don't give a crap. It's an alligator. Is that an unanswered question? Oh, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> so I saw an alligator or a crocodile. Yeah. That's them. Okay, and, but do and, we do that? Do we do the fake bicker? The fake? No, I think we bicker sometimes. Or we just do a real bicker. Well, and I think that you gather you, you gather things and you take it from generation to generation. And I probably like bark at you in a way that's more real than how they bark at each other. Meaning there's no malintent behind their bark at each other because that's their relationship. So you have malintent? Not usually, but it might, like mine probably is a little more malicious when I bark, you know? Why? You're so mean. <sighs> I'm not mean at all. No, I just would prefer no barking. If we could just quit quit barking at each other. Yeah, but who goes first? Sometimes you do, by the no, way. No, 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 no. Who's going to give up the barking first? Who's going to lead well, by example? About once a month, I'm going to bark, and that's just what it is. I see. And it usually lasts for like, give or take a week or two on both sides. And then it'll be here again, like before you know it. Okay, but that's just justified barking. It, no, it, that's no behavior it's not. That, hold on, listen. Listen, you don't know what you're talking about. No, you're absolutely right. So don't make a statement about it because you don't know it. But... If malicious barking is acceptable one week a month, whatever you... Isn't it still at its core malicious barking? I, I never bark maliciously at you. What you hate is I'm when so I... I'm so glad we're getting cameras around this house.
Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.